All right. Um, Thanksgiving is a, a interesting time. I was telling the musicians when I got here that my first, uh, my family wasn't religious, but we did do Thanksgiving. And all my uncles would eat and then lie on the floor and sleep all afternoon. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what that was about. But in, uh, in third or fourth grade, I was put in the band, and I started playing cornet. Not a good instrument for someone who has asthma. So I didn't stay with the cornet very long. But the first song that I ever played on the cornet was uh, Let All Things Now Living, a song of thanksgiving, which is in our hymnals. Uh, I remember that. I remember the vowel movements, all of that. Uh, fascinated by the song, fascinated by the words, uh, fascinated by Thanksgiving. Uh, over the years, Thanksgiving would become uh, uh, of different importance to me over time. And um, in the year that my dad died, Thanksgiving was uh, was an awful year because his mind went... Um, so that he was talking to an imaginary me on that day. And then I saw him the last day on Christmas. That was the last time I saw him alive. And he died on New Year's Eve. That will, uh, that will mess up the holidays for you. But I remember as a kid, sitting in the, in the house alone, always comfortable alone. Lights off, Christmas tree lights on, storms coming through and occasionally lightning. I was fascinated by the light. I realized several years I had, I had let my focus go on to darkness. Uh, Linda could actually see my mood changing this time of year um, as I got more and more uh, just not depressed but just unable to, in, to find joy. I'm noticing in uh, recent years that that joy of my childhood is coming back now with a deeper knowledge. So this is, uh, this is the beginning of a week that I'm looking forward to this season. We observe this week a uniquely religious holy day, Thanksgiving. It's tied to the origin of our nation, and though we have a mixed history in our nation, we've really been a nation of freedom, particularly religious freedom, and opportunity for many people. But this holy day is also related to Sukkot, that harvest festival acknowledging that God supplies for his people. Um, but it also connects very quickly to um, Advent and Christmas. Usually, the Sunday right after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent. You almost don't have much time. Uh, we have a little better time this year because uh, first Sunday of Advent isn't for another week after that. Uh, but the focus is always on family and friends. I'm noticing in the younger generation uh, a a move away from the emphasis on family to friends. We get these friends giving uh, groups that meet. 
That's one of the reasons why I like congregation. Congregation molds family and friends together because your friends become family and your family become friends in the context of that congregation. So I think we're blessed in that, in that framework. The heart of the day, by its name, is a time to stop and consider how blessed we are and how blessed we have been. And we of all people in America have had greater opportunities and freedoms. So it's right that we should give thanks for such blessings. We should be thankful. All week I've been thinking, being thankful is not the same as giving thanks. Uh, There are many people who are gratified that they have more than others, that they have a a good job and they have a good livelihood and all of that. They, They have gratitude, but there's no one in their context to give thanks to. Um, But those of us who know that all good things come from God know that our thanks is given to Him and to Him alone. So we give thanks to the Lord, the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we give, give thanks through our Lord to the Father who provides all good things for us. I struggled with uh, what psalm, I always try to look at a psalm of thanksgiving during this time, struggled with which one to do, settled finally on Psalm 138. Um, not, a, uh, not a large psalm, so more of a homily than a full-on sermon, but, uh, but I think one that is important for us to consider So in Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2, David says, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. You have magnified your word according to all your name." He begins with saying, I'm going to give thanks to the Lord. That phrase, before the gods, is an odd phrase, don't you think? I think it's an odd phrase. It's been translated and interpreted in a couple of ways. One is, before the heavenly beings, the word Elohim there is is being broadened to just mean those who are in heaven. The other interpretation is that it is before the false gods. On the earth. We're to have no God other than God. Those are called gods. But they have eyes they can't see. They have mouths they can't speak. I will. In in the face of these false gods. I will give you thanks. And I will face your holy temple. He says. I think that's probably more likely. uh, The appropriate one. I'll give thanks to your name. For your loving kindness. That word hesed could be mercy, faithfulness, grace. All of those good things that God gives us. And your truth. And then a very strange verse. You have magnified your word according to your name. 
I can read that in English, but it doesn't say anything to me. I don't know if it says anything to you. This word according really means above. And so in the King James Bible, it says you have magnified your word above your name, beyond your name. I kind of like that translation. You know I'm a text Christian. I don't use the force as much as some of my friends who God talks to all the time. I know this came from God and I cling to God's word. And what he's really saying is God has placed his word above and upon his reputation, his name. God will make sure that his word will come to pass. His word will not return to him void. Boy, if that's something to be thankful for. In the midst of chaos and babble of languages and all the chaos that this world has, we have a sure word more certain that Peter says we should pay attention to, we should heed. And he says that in the context of his experience of seeing Jesus transfigured. He says, we were there, we saw that, we had that experience, but we have a more sure word of prophecy that we should pay attention to until the day star rises in our hearts. Uh, Amazing, amazing. God has made his word above his name. And so, the word of the Lord and the promises that he has given are secured by himself. One of the writers says, when he couldn't swear by anything greater than himself, he swore by his name. That's what God did. His word is his bond. His word is his promise. His word will come to pass. And in Jesus Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen to to us. I think that's pretty good stuff. The third verse there, David says, on the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. On the day I called, you answered, and you emboldened me with strength. God encourages our soul and gives us confidence in him. I think this is a statement of testimony. It's very general, and I think David did it specifically to be general. He could have listed, he could have done a litany, beginning with the animals that he had to fight when he was a shepherd, to Goliath when he came against Goliath and the Philistines, to even members of his own family going after him and Saul going after him. I think David was flooded with all the times he called on the Lord and the Lord heard him. answered. You and I have that same thing. We don't have a testimony. We have testimonies of that. I love the text where it says God established a testimony in Jacob. It's not my testimony. It's not Jacob's testimony. It's the testimony of God's faithfulness. And when we called to him, he answered us. So, I love this. We should remember the times that we called on the Lord and He heard and answered us. And our thanksgiving to Him should be a time of remembering His goodness and mercy 
that he has given us. I hope as we gather around tables with family and friends, we will share our thanksgiving to the Lord with one another. Verse 4 and 5. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, O Lord, when they have heard the words from your mouth. And they will sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Well, I'm not sure David is talking about the kings that were around him at the time. I think David is looking forward to the kingdom. When the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ, and he shall reign forever. And when you think about that, on the twelve thrones of the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve apostles will sit. But there will be people sitting on the thrones of the kingdoms of all the earth that are placed there by God because of their faithfulness to him in this life. What a great thing that when the Lord proclaims his glory from Jerusalem and from Zion, that it will echo back from all the countries in the world. I've wondered sometimes what the kingdom will be like. We're not given a lot of detail. But it's going to be so great, I can't really wait till, till we're there. Verse 6. For though the Lord is exalted, he regards the lowly. But the haughty he knows from afar. This is the verse that I think is the key verse to this psalm. Even though the Lord is high and lifted up in glory, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I think this is something that we have to take to heart because I believe walking Humbly with our God is a prerequisite to being thankful. Too many people think of themselves highly, more highly than they ought, and actually think they deserve what they've got. Many of us know we are basically breathing dirt, and that what we have is the result of God's incredible grace towards us. There is no place to boast except in the Lord. In that framework. Or as Paul says. What did you receive. That that you weren't given. Right. Even our ability to do things. Is given to us by the Lord. It's not as if. We are the ones. who, Who gave us that thing. So humility and gratitude. I believe are related. Pride and discontentment. I think are also related. And the scripture admonishes us. To not think more highly of ourselves, we are to have humility as Jesus who humbled himself to become like us. And then humbled himself even further to death on the cross. So that God would then exalt him. Humility, I think, is a prerequisite for thanksgiving. The things that we have from God are not a reward. The day will come when the rewards will come. The things that we have now are His grace. Verse 7. 
Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. I don't know what the future holds for us. Uh, there, is, there is rumblings of persecution, maybe even for the first time in America. But the reality is the Lord is our defender and he is our protection. And while he won't always keep us from trouble, he will always keep us through trouble. While suffering is a part of this faith, we can be thankful that in all of our circumstances, even the ones that try our soul, God is with us. Colossians, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf, supplementing that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. I have no idea what that means. But somehow, we share in the sufferings of Christ as part of God's overall plan in this life towards the glory that will be revealed. And so Paul says, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Jesus said, if they hate me, they'll hate you. I think we have to be prepared for this and not lose faith in times of trouble. And then the last verse, this is my second favorite verse in the, in the psalm. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hand. God will accomplish that which concerns me. God's working in the church. He's working in the world. He's working in all that stuff. But each of us matter. The hair of our head is numbered. We matter to God individually. Not to get arrogant about it, but to understand that even in that context, you and I are on his heart and in his mind. God is in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he who began a good work in us will continue it until it's all accomplished. He's got a long way to go with me. You know, I, once in a while I get people say, well, you're not, you're not very well developed spiritually. You should have seen where I started, right? I've, I've come a long way. I've got a long way to go. Uh, as Paul says, I want to grab on for what I'm apprehended for, right? Forgetting those things that are behind. So we can trust him with gratitude because we know, know whom we have believed and we know that and we're persuaded that he's able to keep that against the day. His faithfulness, his mercy, his love, his grace, his hesed is everlasting. And so in some sense... That last phrase is kind of an insecure statement. Don't forsake the work of your hands. He's not going to forsake the work of his hands because nothing can separate us from his love. Romans 8 is filled with that. Things present, things future, things past. Anything will not separate us from the love of God 
which is in Christ Jesus. How can we not be thankful? How can we not enter into this time when we end the church year and begin the church year again thinking about both comings, his coming in Bethlehem and his coming back to the Mount of Olives that will be for us. He did that for us. And we will share in that glory. How can we not be grateful? Lord, do not abandon the works of your hand. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let us give thanks unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you're so gracious to us.